But there is one thing, there is one thing that God said was not good. You know what that was? What was the one thing that God said was not good? Before sin entered the world, he created the man, man's, you know, naming the animals, and he said something was not good. Anyone know what that was? This is before sin. For man what? It, it is not good for man to be alone. And so, wow, that's, it's getting louder and louder and louder. This is really great. Um, it's good. The neighbors need to hear this too. Um, it is not good for man to be alone. So, man, so God graciously provides Adam a helper in the woman Eve. And he fashions her from his side, a rib. That doesn't mean that women have one less rib, or men have one less rib than women. Some sixth grader believed that one year, or not here, at another church, and he was arguing me with me about that. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they have the same amount of ribs, all right? And, uh, but he fashions woman out of a rib, and then Adam sees her, and God brings her down. There's the first wedding is in Genesis 2, before the fall, before sin, God initiates this wedding and brings Eve down the aisle in this beautiful garden where there's fruits and trees and and pleasure forevermore is there in God's presence and brings her to Adam and Adam says, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This woman is stunning. She is awesome. And then God says, be fruitful and multiply. So before the fall, there was a command explicitly for man and woman to be intimate through sexual relations to produce babies, all right? This was before sin entered the world. This God created marriage. He is the author of marriage. He created and designed us and our bodies, our, which we are sexual beings, and he created and designed sex, as well, to be enjoyed within the context of marriage. And I'm sure all of you have heard that. And we're going to be really mature. We're going to be, we're going to put on our, you know, our middle school, our high school, you know, clothes on and say, I'm going to be mature. So when JT says sex, I'm not going to turn to my neighbors, I see some of you, and start laughing and giggling, okay? God created it and he designed it. But something terribly happened. Man broke the covenant that God made with him. He, he sinned. He transgressed the law. And because of that, sin and death plunged into the earth, plaguing every single person that would ever come from Adam and Eve. That means each and every one of you and me. For, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so what happened, the main, I guess, sin was really unbelief. Adam did not believe that God's gifts were good. In fact, he wanted to take the gifts and make them God. He wanted to, instead of being living under the rule of God, he wanted to rule. And so what we have is this cosmic battle between God who says, I am the Lord, you must bow and submit to me. And then we live in a culture where now and for all of, etern- or for all of time, man has said, no, I am God and man must be worshipped. His body must be worshipped. And the things that we do with our bodies uh, must be worshipped as well. And so what happens is that God's good design for marriage, and God's good design for sex was completely perverted. And so, this is all setting up Proverbs chapter 5, because 
this father is talking to his son. I want you to turn there. He's talking to his young son. But I want you, ladies, to hear it as a father or mother talking to you as well. So this is, doesn't just apply to boys tonight. But there's definitely implications here. And the father loving, who loves his son, who loves his daughters... You know, me being a father now, thinking of Eden when she grows up, I'm going to ha there's going to be a day when I'm going to have to sit her down and talk about God's good design of marriage and sex and how the world has perverted it. And I'm going to have to give her warnings to watch out for. Um, otherwise, she may fall prey to sin and the world that seduces young people, loves to seduce young people to go after the pleasures of this world rather than God. In fact, John in Revelation 17 calls the world Babylon. We live in Babylon. And the other name for the world is the great prostitute. That's what he calls it. So we live in, in the world which has committed adultery against God. Instead of worshiping God, they're worshiping other things, right? And so Proverbs chapter 5, I got to get there. I'm not even there yet opens up, we open the text, and a father is talking to his son, and he's, he's going to tell him some very important things for you. And we're going to look at four things in the text um, that we need to heed. The first thing is to be on guard against sexual temptation and sin. The second is to keep far away from sexual sin and temptation. Third, we're going to learn that... Um, I actually don't even... Let's see, here it is. That... Uh, we are called to enjoy sexual delight in marriage only. And then fourth is, is there any hope for sexual fools? Okay, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. You know that we live in a fallen and broken world. I mean, it was just Pride Month, right? Anyone that went to Target in June knows of the degradation and perversion and wickedness that this world has fallen into, of perverting God's design, all right, in the name of Love, but really we should just say lust, right? So let's go to the text, Proverbs chapter 5. Listen to the Father, listen to God talking to you. My son, my daughter, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. Alright, so there's that word guard. Circle the word guard if you got a pen in your Bibles or a pencil. Keep discretion and your, and your lips must guard knowledge. Now we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And we know that wisdom isn't just a character, a character trait, it's also a person, right? Who is the wisdom of God? Come on, who is the wisdom of God? Yeah, I know it's kind of abstract to think about, but 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 talks about this. Jesus is the wisdom of God. So you could translate it this way. My son, be attentive. My daughter, be, be attentive to Jesus and his words. Incline your ear to understanding him that you may keep discretion, keep close to him, and that your lips may guard knowledge. That is to recite the words of Christ, which are the word of God, right? And so he, he's saying, do not leave this. Why? For the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey, and her, uh, her speech is smoother than oil. 
But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to hell or Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. And so point number one is this, that we need to be on guard against sexual sin or sexual temptation. We live in a world that is saying that the essence of your identity, what defines you, is what you do sexually with your bodies. And it praises it. It champions it. When, when, when women dress immodest, immodestly, they say, oh, that's, that's women empowerment. Look how strong and mighty those women are. And when men fall prey to this, or when men see or objectify other women, your friends in school or people in this world, they, they give you a knuckle. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Another notch on the belt. You're a real man, you who could get all of these women, and you objectify them. You see them as objects for your own pleasure rather than being made in the image of God. That is the culture we live in. And they're saying to enjoy it, to pursue it. But what is this father saying? For the lips of the forbidden woman. Now I want you to view the forbidden woman pictured as uh, figuratively as sexual sin or temptation. Okay? For the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey. What does that mean? The world will tempt you with, with lies that sound sweet to your ears or to your taste. Her speech will be smoother than oil, talking about olive oil. Anyone use olive oil before? Have you ever gotten that on your hands? Very smooth. It's a good, if you get sunburned, some of you get really sunburned. We're Midwesterners. We're very pasty. You could put that on your skin and it will smooth. You shouldn't do that. Coconut oil is actually better. It's healthier. smells a little bit better. Anyways, smoother than oil, all right? Don't put car oil. Some of you have probably wanted to do that. Don't do that. All right. Smoother than oil. What does that mean? Her speech is not rough. It, 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 does, it, sounds, it doesn't sound irregular. It sounds good. What does this remind you of? Someone may be tempting uh, a woman and a man in a garden, right? And if you eat of this fruit, you, you will not surely die. In fact, you will, you will be like God. That's why he doesn't want you to eat of it sweet words. Think of the white witch with Edmund right here. Eat this Turkish delight. It'll be so sweet to you. Or, or picture uh, Gollum or Smeagol saying, hey, I, I know a good path, Frodo. Follow me on this path to Shelob's lair, right? Follow this path. Some of you, you love. And he's listening and he's being tempted by the ring as well and its power. Well, in the same way, she, she sexual temptation, can sound sweet, but really, what is it? It looks like honey. It might taste like honey. But really, what is it? It's bitter as wormwood. Wormwood is a plant. It could be translated hemlock. It's a poison. So it goes down sweet, but then it destroys your insides. It's undrinkable water. And then it also says, what does it say about her speech? It, it looks smooth, but really it's as sharp as a two-edged sword. So think about it, as sin draws you in, says, come, come, and then just plunges the dagger right into your heart. 
That's, that's the imagery here, is it's luring you. Just like when I love to fish and catch that bass and I throw that lure out there and it sees it, it says, oh, it's as sweet as honey. That frog looks smoother than oil and it goes and boom, right? It's dinner for Eden and she loves it. I'm just kidding, she can't eat fish yet or anything, really, just milk, um, right? Boom, and what's the result? What is the end of those who follow sexual temptation or this forbidden woman? What does it say? Where do her feet lead to? Death. Her steps follow the path to hell. That is the path that she likes to walk. She does not ponder the path of life. She doesn't have time to think about spiritual things. Her ways wander. She's, she's unstable. Her sexual sin leaves you unstable. It leaves you wandering. It leaves you lost. Yet the world says, go for it. But this father is saying to you, God, our heavenly father is saying, my son, my daughter, be on guard. You know what it means to be on guard? Why is he telling his son to be on guard? Because I think young people especially are not uh, on guard to danger. They are not. I mean, some adults are. I was watching this video. It was just on Facebook. This guy put his hand in a lion cage and it bit his hand. That's you playing with sexual temptation. Oh, this looks like a really nice cat. And then boom, your whole arm is off, right? It's gone. You've lost it. I've used this illustration before. I don't know if I have actually. You know how Eskimos, these Eskimos used to hunt and kill polar bear. And polar bear, they need lots of fat in order to survive the winter, right? They're very big bears. And so the, the way that they would hunt these polar bears is they would get a, a two-edged dagger, so a two-edged sword or dagger on both sides is sharp. And what they would do is they would, they would freeze it with seal blood. So it was like a giant popsicle of blood. And they would sit it out there, and, and the polar bears would come, and they would they'd start licking it. Like they love the taste of blood. And they would lick it, lick it, lick it until they went all the way through the ice and then they start licking the blade. And then they're tasting their own blood. And then they want more of it. They want more of it, want more of it until they bleed out and they die. That is exactly what the text is talking about. I know you're like, that's crazy. But some of you are dabbling. You're doing the same thing with your spiritual souls. Her path leads down to death and to hell. Be on guard against sexual sin. We need to be ready. We got to be in our fighter stance. Got to put on the armor, armor of God. Some of you are you're like swimming in, a, in a, an aquarium of great white sharks and you think you're playing water polo. You think everything's fine. The enemy is around you. You need to be on guard. You need to get out of there. And that's actually point number two that we're going to go to, which is Keep far away from sexual sin. You guys know who Steve McNair was? Steve McNair was an all-star quarterback for the uh, Tennessee Titans. And he was a married man who was fooling around with another woman. And that woman would not let go of the fact that he was married. And so he, she shot him and killed him. His sin literally led to his death. 
And that's kind of a really sad, oblique picture of what sexual sin will do, is it will lead you to death. And this is why, look at verse 7. It's really serious. i got to be serious. And now, O oh, sons, look, sons are in the plural. My, my daughters as well. Listen to me. And do not depart from the words of my mouth. He's pleading with his kids. And as parents, we, that's just something I'm going to have to do. Keep, and this is his command, verse 8, keep far away from her. Keep your way far from her. Why? Do not, don't, do not go near the door of her house. It was kind of like those DoorDash people during COVID who would come to drop off food and they wouldn't even go near my door because they thought that I was just contagious and was going to kill them, right? In the same way, her sin, her sexual temptation is contagious. Don't go near her house. Don't even go near her door. Why? Well, you already know that the wages of sin is death, but it's not just an immediate death. It's a slow death of every single thing that you care about in this life. Why, why, Dad? Why must I keep far away from her? Why can't I just do what my friends are doing? Why can't I, why can't I do what all those Instagram uh, influencers are doing? Why can't I follow after the Hollywood celebrities? They're doing it. There's reality TV shows about it. Why can't I live that way? They seem to be happy. Why not? Look at verse 9. Do not go near her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hate... Now you're filled with regret. How I hated discipline. I should have treasured discipline. I should have treasured wisdom. But now I hated it and I despised it. And I did not listen to the voice of my father or my teachers or incline my ear to them. And now I'm on the brink, verse 14, of utter destruction in the assembled congregation. Why should I keep far away from sexual sin? Because it's like a boa constrictor. It slowly, it strikes you, it stuns you, and then it slowly chokes you. Right? When Jesus was giving the parable of the sowers, some seed flew on the hard soil, right? And the birds came and snatched it up. Uh, Satan came and plugged it down. Then some threw on the stony ground and the stones represented trials and it sprung up. Some people, they, they seem to accept Christ, but then trials come and then they fade away. But then some fell among the thorns. And it says that the thorns uh, choked out the seed of the gospel. This is what sin does in general, but especially sexual sin. It takes certain things from you. It will kill all of these things. I want you to circle them. Look at verse 9. Lest you surrender your honor, see your honor, and your years. Verse 10, your strength, lest strangers uh, take your strength and your labors. All of your hard work will will be brought to nothing. And at the end of verse 11, your life and your flesh. That That's what these things, why keep far away from sexual sin? Because first, it will take your honor away. You understand that you, each and every one of you, are made in the image of God with worth, value, and dignity. 
Ladies, you are, you are made with, with feminine beauty, with fierce beauty. Uh, in, in fact, 1 Corinthians 11 talks about how man is the glory of God and women are the glory of man. The most beautiful creatures. Men are not beautiful. We're not. We're strong, and that's about it. Right? We bring order and protection and provision, but women are beautiful, and God created you that way, wonderfully knit you that way with worth, value, and dignity because, not because of your sexuality and what you uh, um, identify as, but because you are made in His image. You are given honor. Your body is, is, a, is, is like a stock of wealth. Most of you have no money. You're very poor. But that's actually a lie. Because would you rather be young and poor or on your deathbed and really rich, old. Would you trade? Would you make that trade to be a 90-year-old man or woman and be very rich or stay young? Most of you would say, I'd stay young. Most of the rich people that are old would say, I want to wish I was young again. Why? Because being young, there's an asset to that. It's worth something. And you're given honor by God. Young men, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are made a prince. You are co-heirs. Uh, women, you are a princess, a co-heir with Christ, his son and his daughter. You are made with dignity and to live with it, with honor. And when you indulge in sexual sin, it strips you of what you were made for. Your gift, would you trade your honor and your respect and your dignity and your beauty, your, your holy pure, purity equals beauty, <laughs> God is the most beautiful being and He's the most pure being. Would you give that up for a little bit of pleasure? No. The Father here in Proverbs 5, God the Father says, No, do not do it. Do not give your honor to others. Do not give your years. Spending years of building up your reputation, but those who fall prey to sexual temptation, they give up their years, their, their strength. Number two, can anyone think of a story in the Bible of a very strong person who gave up his strength for sexual temptation? Mm. Samson. Delilah, she, smo she sm smoked. <laughs> I don't know if she smoked. She spoke with words that dripped honey and were smoother than oil. And next thing you know, Samson has lost all of his strength. His eyes are gouged out. He gave up his honor, his years. He lost his life because of it and his strength. And that's what sexual sin does to you, young men. You are made to be valiant warriors for Jesus Christ. But you know what it does is it makes you passive and lazy. That's what indulging in sexual sin does is it makes you weak it's, it, it, you're laying down your sword. Do not lay down your sword. Fight against the enemy. Regain your honor in Christ Jesus, your strength in Christ Jesus, your years in Christ Jesus. And what's the other thing that it will take? Your labors. Some people, they've built their whole life. I think of, of the whole Johnny Depp and Amber Heard situation, right? And you guys all heard about that? Most of you heard about that? Okay. That was very public. Basically, Amber Heard lost all of her reputation, all of her labors in acting 
gone, lost everything because of sin. Again, keep far away from sin. And what's the last thing here? Look at verse 11. What does this result in? At the end of your life, you groan like a wounded beast. See, you are made, each and every one of you, beautiful. And only the girls, sorry guys. Very handsome, right? Right, And strong. And, and made in God's image with worth, value, and dignity. But what sin does is it turns you into a beast. And now you're a wounded beast howling. Look at verse 11. That's what it, it, it's signifying. Groaning. When your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline. Now, now you're living life with regret. Do you want that? Do you want years of regret? Saying, why did I not listen to the word of God? Why did I not heed this warning? I've lost my honor, my life. All of these things, my strength. I've lost things that are valuable, my soul. <laughs> and now you're groaning with regret. And look at this, verse 14. This is scary. It's, it's a public sin. People in the church, the assembled congregation, know that your sin has led to ruin. I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. So, be on guard. Keep far away from sexual sin. Why are you going near her door? Is your honor and your life and your strength worth having that social media app on your phone? Is it worth it? Is hanging out with those friends that only, that only encourage you towards these things worth your life, your dignity, your honor, your strength? It's a drastic. Keep far away. Do not keep your way far from her. Do not even go near her door. Is it worth having your phone that you have? There's alternatives. Guess what? Pastor John is, has one right now. It's called the light phone. And he has no internet on it. And I, the only way I can communicate with him is virtually through email. Or I could call him. But it's pretty cool. I'm like, yeah. Maybe that's an option for some of you. Do not think that you are just like, oh, you know what, God will just forgive me. You know, and when I indulge in this, then I'll come back to him. Sadly, many people think that, and then they find themselves never ever returning back to the Lord for a long time. And the Lord dis disciplines them in his love until they realize what their sin has brought them to, and they return. Do not presume on the Lord's grace. Would you, would you think that I would, would, would I be foolish to let my daughter play near the den of a cobra? It would be very foolish. Well, Proverbs talks about that. Do not coddle your sin. Do not even go near danger. Look at Proverbs 6, just real quick. 6.27. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes and not be burned some of you you have a bonfire in your arms and you're like i'm not going to get burned by this and your chest hair is getting burnt and, and and your skin is melting you don't have chest hair come on 
But some of you are like, I could carry this fire. I could carry this sexual temptation. That's fine. I'll just live with it. It's, it's okay. God will forgive me. And next thing you know, you are consumed. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not, not be scorched? Did we not just learn from King Solomon what happened? So, point number one is be on guard against sexual sin. These are the longest points for sure. Keep far away from sexual sin. And so the father has been just giving kind of warnings, but then he switches his language and he talks about one of the most wonderful provisions that the Lord gives to men and women in this life. Because God created each and every one of you with sexual desires for the opposite sex. And that is not a sin to have desires of marriage and intimacy. It's what you do with that. It's when you make that an idol. But God has given us provision in order to express those things within a specific context. See, sex is like fire. Okay? When it's within its proper context, it, it keeps a marriage warm. It keeps a marriage intimate, just like a bonfire. When you have a fire within, within the fire pit over there, it's safe. It's good. It burns. It, it rages. It's, it's awesome. But when you remove that fire and you put it in the church and it just spreads and it burns everything down. And so our culture is saying, no, sexual freedom for everyone. What's it going to do? Burn this whole society down. And we're seeing that. But within a proper context, it is beautiful and it is awesome and i'm not going to go beyond the text i'm just going to read it and look at some observations to to refute some of the world's claims that i know that you hear especially if you you know you watch disney or you've seen the super bowl halftime show or watch the super bowl or anything like that if you've ever been exposed to social media i have to preach on this okay look at verse 15 so the son the father's talking to his son and daughter and then he gives them a positive command he says, my son, my daughter, drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Okay, what in the world is this? What is a cistern? Anyone know what a cistern is? Okay, it's basically like this big, huge jug that people will carry water in because it, it, he's writing to ancient Israel. It's a very dry place. Water is very hard to come by, Okay. Right? And so each person, when it would rain, they would gather water and every family had its own cistern to wash in, to drink and all that stuff. And so what is he saying? He's saying, drink water from your own well, right? Do not go to your neighbor's well. Look at verse 16. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, that is your uh, sexuality, and sexual desires? Should you scatter them? Should you experience that with multiple different people? Should you go to other people's cisterns and their wells and take from their well? No. He says, verse 17, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. And so what he's saying is that sex is to be within the context of marriage. It's exclusive between a man and a woman. And I'm not talking about someone who identifies as a man or a woman. I'm talking about what we've been talking about for the last 2,000 years, which is man, right? A, a biological man and a biological woman. Why I have to explain that is crazy, but I will have to do that. And your parents will too. 
Marriage is only between a man and a woman. And the state doesn't recognize marriage. Only God does. And so I know that some of you, you have family members that, are, um, that live a homosexual life. And they're married, but not in God's eyes. They're not. Only by the state. God is the one who institutes marriage. He's the one who designed it. He is the one who has rule over it. And so what the father is saying to his son, he's saying, son, I pray that you get married one day. And I pray that you, Delight, or daughter, Eden, I pray that you get married one day. And I pray that you have a, a, a delight, a sexual delight in your marriage with your spouse and your spouse alone. Do not go outside. Do not play with fire. Express your covenant love to them and them alone. That's what it's talking about. Look at 18. And what's the fruit of this beautiful marriage and, and sex within marriage? Verse 18. Let your fountain be blessed. And rejoice in the wife of your youth. So a blessing to families is children. Have lots of kids. A, a quiver full of them. Psalm 127. Our culture doesn't like kids. We live in a culture of death. They like to murder babies in the womb. But God is the, is the creator of marriage to, to not only have an intimacy with your spouse, but also to have kids. And they're a blessing. And they're beautiful. Go hold my daughter if you don't think so. And just delight in her. She's awesome. It's the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me outside of marrying Caitlin and outside of getting saved. All right? Look at this. He continues on. My son, I hope that you could have this. Verse 19. This is why you need to rejoice in the wife of your youth. And he, and he, and he gets very... Uh, he talks about the fondness of, of marriage. It, it's beautiful. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. And so the father is encouraging his son that within the context of marriage that he would have the pleasure that God created him to have. That's in the Bible. Because God designed it. And it's beautiful. And it's awesome. And you have to understand the world has taken it and destroyed it and perverted it. Do not listen to the world. I love how gentle this father is with his kids. He wants them to know these deep truths that, that are so important. Look at verse, he, he says at the end, be intoxicated always with her love. Be crazy in love with your spouse. It's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. So, Point number three was enjoy sexual delight in marriage and marriage only. Do not listen to the world. Do not go that route. Remember, it's a fire. Sex is a fire and within its context, it is awesome. And it is at the core of a healthy marriage as well. So, moving on from that, we come to the last section here. We have a choice what are we going to do? Are we going to choose the world or are we going to choose God's design for sex and marriage? Look at verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Why would you go after these things, my daughter? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. He sees all of it. You think that you're doing things in private? God's eyes upon you. He knows every thought that you ever had. He's seen all the sin that you've ever committed. He sees everything. They're before, your ways are before the Lord, and He ponders all of His paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare Him. They keep Him in bondage. Look at this. And He is held fast in the cords of sin. And He dies for a lack of discipline. And because of His great folly, He is led astray. Wow. 
So, my last point. Is there any hope for sexual fools like many of us who have fallen into sin and temptation? Is there any hope? Marriage is designed to point to Christ and His church. Ephesians 5 talks about that. It's a picture of Jesus' love for His church, and His church is the bride. Marriage to a wife or to a husband is not your hope. If that's what you're putting your hope in, forget it. Jeremiah 2 verse 13 says this about God and His marriage to Israel. Israel rejected God. He said, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. Instead of drinking of the living water of Jesus Christ in the gospel, they've gone to other things, and they've drunk of the wormwood, the bitterness of wormwood, and they've gone astray. They've committed spiritual adultery. We've all done that. But what a beautiful picture in Proverbs chapter 5. How is it that we could receive cleansing? How is it that there's hope for sexual fools? Isn't Jesus a friend of sinners? Doesn't he eat with prostitutes and tax collectors? Yes. And this is where the the gospel comes in. How is it that we can be made a new creation? How is it that we can be cleansed? Through Jesus who gave up his honor as the Son of God, who gave up his years, died at 33, who gave up his strength, he humbled himself. He gave up his life. He labored like Adam. And his labors were for the foreigners. It was to be a blessing to the nation. And he committed the work, he finished the work, and on the cross he groans and he moans like a wounded beast and he says, It is finished for you, so that you can have a beautiful, intimate relationship with God, and that he may wash you with the word and cleanse you of all of your sin as far as the east is from the west. So is there any hope for sexual fools? Yes. Jesus Christ, the friend of sexual fools. The one who died on the cross to cleanse us of our sin. The one who groaned in our place so that he can have his own cistern, which is the church, us, and that we could take delight in him for all of eternity. And so, my son, my daughter, Be attentive to wisdom. Be on guard against sexual sin by keeping your eyes on Christ. Keep away from sexual sin by keeping close to Jesus Christ. And enjoy your relationship with God in Christ Jesus, in His Word and in prayer. And know that there's always hope in Christ. And so, yes, you could follow your sin to Sheol. Or you could give up, confess your sin to God, and have eternal, everlasting life tonight. That is the message of Proverbs 5. Pretty cool. And now your Father in heaven is saying to you, Hey, be warned. But also, I have a great provision for you in Christ Jesus. Come to Him. Come to Him. You're not too far gone. You're not too far gone. He will cleanse you. 
all your honor. Like, I've lost all my honor. He will restore it with his honor. I've lost my strength. Anything in this life, I have no passion. Come to him. His strength is far more. It's far more than yours. I've already given my life to this. Well, he gave his life for you. Come to him and give your life to him for all of eternity. That's the good news for you tonight. Father God, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you for, it's a serious topic, Lord, and I pray for every one of these students that they would come to Jesus Christ, that they would cling to him, and that they'd see the beauty of Christ in the gospel, Lord. Keep us from temptation, deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.